Welcome to Bloodbath, a true crime podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Jamie. Wait, Ash, did you just say true crime? I did. So if I'm like easily triggered by talking about things happening to children that make me uncomfy, this probably isn't the podcast for me? You know what? Take care of your headspace. I totally get it. These are young children in this case. Thank you for the blanket trigger warning. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get podcasts. It's time for the show. And we're back. Hi. Back. Back again. Shady's (laughs) back. Shady's back. Tell a friend. (laughs) Tell a friend. No, really. Tell your friend about bloodbath. (laughs) (laughs) Glad we were on the same wavelength there. Right. Okay. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to be telling you the story of Martin Brown and Brian Howe. It's either H-A-W-E, so Howie or Howe. Howe is probably how you say it. That's what I was thinking, too. Mm -hmm. So... This also, those are our two victims. I don't want to like title this as, let me tell you about Mary Flora Bell, the murderer, murderer, you know, like, no, this Mm -hmm. is the other story. So Martin Brown and Brian Howe. (laughs) It's going to get a little confusing. (laughs) Martin Brown and Brian Howe. Okay. So 16 year old. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 16 year old Betty was a sex worker when she fell pregnant with her daughter that she named Mary Flora Bell. On May 26, 1957. Once she gave birth to her, she literally told the nurses to, quote, get that thing away from me. Wonderful. Stellar. Stellar. A plus parenting. She's probably going to grow up to be (laughs) such an amazing parent. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just kidding. So, because Betty was a sex worker, she didn't know who Mary's father was. And after about a year of raising Mary by herself, Betty married a man named Billy Bell, and that's how Mary would get her last name. Billy Bell? Billy Bell. (laughs) Oh my God. What is this got a ring to it? (laughs) It's in, uh, oh God. I have the place, but I need to see it because it's near like Glasgow, is where this case takes place. I don't want to get any names wrong, so we'll get there. Billy Bell was not shy about getting into trouble himself, so much so he was known as a habitual criminal, which is like somebody who is literally making a habit out of causing crimes. (laughs) They're like, I don't want peace. I want problems. Always. Exactly. (laughs) I crave violence. Mother. He would eventually be arrested for armed robbery. (laughs) Oh, my God. But got out from being arrested from his armed robbery. And then he took on the role of an alcoholic. Fun. As you do. Betty was rarely home since she was normally in Glasgow Glasgow, on what she called a business trip. Okay. Sex working, which is totally fine. If you take care of your kid, at least. If you're not a shitty fucking human being, which we'll get into. So... The sex work that she actually like specialized specialized in was sadomasochism and BDSM. So she would be one of the rare ones, I guess you could find. So people often wanted her, you know? She was sought out. Yeah. Exactly. And again, not a bad thing as long as you're not a shit human. You see, 
Betty's sister had witnessed a moment when she tried to sell Mary to a mentally ill woman that really wanted kids but could not naturally have them, and she was not allowed to adopt because of her mental illnesses. Now, it is said that this woman, because like she took her home, she paid her, she took her home, and this woman had bought her so much like new clothes, she bought baby stuff, she bought so much stuff for Mary. And it's almost like she actually might have had a better life if this came through. And from what we're about to get into, almost anything would have been a better life. Yikes. Almost got out. Almost got out. So her sister, Betty's sister, got Mary back and she just had to give her back to her mother because her mom does this weird thing of like, oh, I don't want to take care of her, but also give her back. It's, yeah, it's like I've, this I've mind seen bug. That, that happens like all the time, like in movies and in real life. Just they're like, I want, I'm a yeah. shitty mother. I shouldn't have them. And they're like, but they're my kid. Nah. But give her back. Exactly. So it seemed that Mary was very accident prone. One time falling out of a, a one story window. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. And also accidentally overdosing on sleeping pills to where she had to be rushed, rushed to the hospital and have her stomach pumped. And it was believed that Betty was trying to kill Mary, but make it look like an accident. There's There'll be a point in time where this little girl would see her mom giving her what Mary would call smarties. And they were not. Is there like, is this an insurance thing or she just doesn't want her? I, d- I don't think she wants her and she doesn't mm-hmm. want to go to jail either. So she's trying to make it look like an accident. Okay, so I just wanted to look up real quick the places was at again. And it's Northumberland, Northumberland, United Kingdom is where she was born. And where she's born, it was just not a good area. And I will get into that in a little bit. But it's so that we're kind of painting a picture of like the life she's going through and like kind of thinking, why aren't people trying to step in? Where are the people helping? The area Mary lived in was very poor. There was so much criminal activity that often the police were always out walking about, but they didn't fully care either because it was kind of a calling wolf situation, I guess, where there's just so much shit going on. They just weren't always paying attention. Mm -hmm. Kids as young as two years old would be outside playing until well after midnight with no adults keeping an eye on them at all. That's not good. No. It was just kind of like swept under the rug, like the bad conditions. And also World, World War One had just kind of zipped on by as well. Like <laughs> all of this is just a almost like perfect circle of being able to get away with this shit in a sense. It's the of perfect being able storm. To, exactly. Like to abuse your children, to sex work, like all the above, you know, to the dismay of children. So Mary was subjected to mental and physical abuse, but not only by her mom. This is really fucking sad. When Mary was just four years old, Betty started pimping her out to her clients. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Mary became a frequent bedwetter, but she was so afraid to tell her mom that she wet the bed because whenever she would find out, she would either push Mary's face into the pee on the bed or she would like take the bed mattress outside and display it so other kids would see it and make fun of her. 
what the actual fuck? Yep. And because of that, she would often just not sleep because she was afraid of wetting the bed. So the numerous signs of very disturbing and unpredictable mood swings started to come to light. Yeah, that's fucking awful. (laughs) Yeah. The first six-ish years of Mary's life, she would often stay with her uncle and aunt, and they would try multiple times to get Betty to let them adopt her. And she would just be like, no. She would even tell them how much she hated Mary and could not take, take care of her. Meanwhile, she's like, no, give her back. Mary became super cold towards people, rightfully so. She just could not hold onto like any emotional attachment to anyone until she made friends with the five-year-old girl that lived next to her. But one day, Mary and this little girl were out playing in the street, and she saw this fucking girl get hit by a bus and killed right in oh front of her eyes. God. Oh, my God. I was yep. not expecting that. That's not, it's not funny. It's just, I wasn't this, expecting This that. case is so, like, that's, that's the definition of, like, excuse me. <laughs> like, you yeah. know, it's, it's insane. I can't believe I've never heard of it until I was, like, researching crazy crimes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Once Mary started school, she was still showing really bad behavior, often fighting the boys and girls there. Her violent tendencies were not any good for her either because they would end up getting her more bullied and her feeling more alone and more isolated because none of the kids wanted to be friends with her. When she would get into fights, she would often go for the kids' throats, attempting to strangle one of her classmates on several occasions. And on another occasion, she attempted to suffocate a girl by putting sand down her throat. That's not okay. It's not okay. Eventually, though, she made a friend named Norma Joyce Bell. They're not related. Her last name's just Bell as well. Norma was like 12, 13 years old. So she's like two years younger or two years older than Mary. They were joined at the hip. Finally, Mary has a friend. So hopefully things can like start to get better, you know? No. No. He's not I was about to say, uh, probably not, not with this, Oddly not enough, with this story. Mary would be more of the leader when it came to the two of them. And we'll find out later why. And Mary pretty much would tell Norma to do something. Norma would do it. That's just how it went. Okay. His entire case in Mary's child is already dark as fuck. But this is mm-hmm. where the true crime nature of our victims. Mary's a victim too. But this is where Mary's about to inflict and kill two boys. This is, this is a conversational type of episode where it's just like, wait a second. It's, it's like, it's, it's, oh my God. It's so hard to even feel bad just for the young her and not going forward. But we'll get to that towards the end and we'll have our conversation about it. Okay. Saturday, May 11th. 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 <laughs> 1968. Mary and Norma take a three-year-old boy named John, to go pick up some sweets from the store. Less than an hour later, little John was found walking on the street, stumbling around with blood gushing from his head. The police were called, and they got John the help he needed. While he was in the hospital, cops asked him what the hell happened. He told them that he was playing with Mary and Norma, and they got some sweets, then started to climb on top of an air raid shelter that was about seven feet tall. And then when at the top, one of the girls, not sure which one, pushed him off and he landed on his head. What the fuck? While the cops were talking with John, the parents of three little girls came to tell them that Mary had attempted to strangle their daughters. The cops interviewed both the girls that evening, 
but both denied that they pushed John, saying they simply found him bleeding heavily and that he must have made it all up, slash, like, imagined it. They then were like, okay, but what about these three girls? Mary denied everything, but Norma admitted that Mary had tried to, quote, throttle the girls. Norma said, Mary went to one of the girls and said, what happens if you choke someone? Do they die? Then Mary put both hands round the girl's throat and squeezed. The girl started to go purple. I told Mary to stop, but she wouldn't. Then she put her hands around Pauline's throat and she started going purple as well. Another girl, Susan Cornish, came up and Mary did the same thing to her. The police oh started the, like the police stated the local authorities. They were like, hey, um, this is happening. But also we don't know what to do about it because they're like nine, ten years old. So no action was taken and they were just given a warning. That's great. That's that shit where it's like, oh, my God, when I become a mother. Ooh. You want me to throttle your neck, little Mary Bell? Like, the fuck? You try to strangle my daughter? No. No. <laughs> no, no, no. And you're going to give her a warning? Oh, honey. Okay, so now it's time to come to Martin Brown. And I want you to remember this date. May 25th, 1968. You just need to remember May 25th. Okay. <laughs> I see you writing it down. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's easy to remember. It's Star Wars's anniversary. It's my uh -huh. wedding anniversary. Uh -huh. You know, it has it has some meanings to it. But May 25th. One day before Mary's 11th birthday, she lured three-year-old Martin Brown to an upstairs bedroom in a derelict house located on 85th Street, Margaret's Road. Their words are a little bit harder than the English that I already have trouble with. <laughs> it's believed that she acted in this alone. Around 3.30 p.m., three kids were playing around the house on 85th Street. They went into the room and were horrified by what they found. Martin Brown's lifeless body was there, lying on his back with his arms stretched above his head. There was very little signs of violence, just small speckles of blood and foam around his mouth. The three children went running for help and found John Hall, who was a local workman. He immediately tried performing CPR on Martin, but it wasn't working at all. He was, he was already late, yeah. gone. Yeah. By the time anybody had gotten to him, he was already dead for seven hours. Oh, my God. While John Hall was attempting to give him CPR... Two little girls named Mary and Norma came into the house to see what was going on. They know damn well what's going on. Mm -hmm. At least Mary does. They were both told to get out as the adults didn't want them to see what was happening. They were literally trying to protect them from seeing this. When the girls were kicked out, they ran over to Mrs. Rita Finley's home and tells her, one of your sisters has just had an accident. We think it's Martin, but we can't tell because there's blood all over him. So first they're like, your sister, but then they're like, but it's Martin. Weird. That doesn't make any sense. It sounds like a child trying to get away with the lies, what it sounds like. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mary's an evil little thing, and her upbringing is bad. Obviously, I'm not condoning any of this, but it, it's, it's a factor, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. The next day, Dr. Bernard Knight finished up his autopsy and was, and was unable to determine the child's death, but was suspicious that it was a poisoning. Which takes you so back with the to foaming the at the mouth. Yeah. Exactly. And there was like no signs of violence. It was just foaming at the mouth and a little bit of, like a couple specks of blood. There wasn't like knives or anything. It was just that. And Mary had overdosed from sleeping pills. So she knows what those do. And that's probably what she did. So the next day is Mary's 11th birthday. And her and Norma decided to break into a nursery nearby Woodland Crescent. 
that they completely vandalized, ripping up all the books, destroying the desks, smearing ink all over the walls and posters. And when the nurses come in the next day, they're like, what the fuck? Excuse me. And they immediately call the cops and they find four notes. And they said, uh, trigger warning, two of these do say the word F-A-G-G-O-T. I'm just going to read it from the note, but I'm only going to say the two times that the notes say it. First one said, I murder so that I may come back, which is weird. Mm -hmm. Another one read, we did murder Martin Brown. Fuck off, you bastard. Where are you learning this? Yeah. A third note said, fuck off, we murder. Watch out, Fanny and faggot. The final note was, I hate saying that. The final note was the most complex reading. You are mice. Why? Because we murdered Martin Go Brown. You beat Look Out There, our murderers, about by Fanny and Owl Faggot, you screws. It's really weird. That's that's not English. <laughs> you tried. And also, <laughs> I think they might be saying cigarette because that's what they call cigarettes. Mm-hmm. At least back in the day. I don't know if they still do. But they, but they would call it a fag. They wouldn't call it the full Oh, word. okay. Yeah. Then that's just fucking rude. Yeah. And I'll have a photo of one of the notes, the one, the first one that says we, we murder so we can come back or whatever. I'll have a, I'll have a thing for that one. And it's written like a child because it was written by a child. Mm-hmm. So the police just thought this was a childish, a childish prank. And they just wrote it off. Murder is not a prank, Mr. Policeman. Murder is not a prank. Murder is not a just prank. Just do your fucking job. Just look into it. Yeah. Just, just try something. It's called due diligence. <laughs> right? Two days after Martin's murder, Mary and Norma call his mom and ask if they can see his her son. Thinking the two little girls just want to play with her son and that they don't know what's happened, she informs them that Martin has passed away. To which Mary says, oh, I know he's dead. I want to see him in his coffin. Bitch, what? How would you react? I would Like, all I can see in my head, I don't know if you've seen that episode of Peppa Pig where she's, like, trying to whistle with her friend. And then she, like, whistles and she hangs up on her, like, super quick. And it's just, like, I don't know what to do with that. Yeah. (laughs) Like, how do you react to that? I don't even know. Because you're talking to a child, so you're ex- like your expectations are never anything near that. No one ever saw this coming. So now we're going to get to Brian Howe. July 31st, 1968, Mary and Norma lured four-year-old Brian Howe away from home. She strangled him in an industrial area that nobody would suspect he was at because he was a good little boy. He always played close to home. He was never away from where like he could see the house. As a matter of fact, he was playing right outside with his parents watching him when Mary came up to him and asked him if he wanted to play. And then they went off and played. That's fucking sick. Ballsy. And he's also like super joined to the hip with his older sister. As a matter of fact, once Mary left his body and was making her way back into town, she saw his older sister, Pat, and asked her, are you looking for Brian? She told them yes and that she was worried. And now Norma had joined in and both girls are out here eagerly helping her look for Brian. The balls on these children, like the audacity. The balls. The, the gall, the what? All of it. (laughs) The girls all cross the railroad tracks into the industrial area. 
the area where a lot of kids would play because of all the construction materials, old cars and old like dangerous wreckage from like the war and shit. It was all mm-hmm. over there. So of course children are going to go over there. Yeah, I can see it. We would have done that too. I know, right? Us crawling on top of trains. Like, of course, that's going to be a gold mine for, for children. Mm-hmm. She was thinking about little three-year-old Martin Brown and how he was found killed slash dead. Nobody knew if he was like killed or not. And Mary points to, this is Pat that's like thinking about him, right? Mm-hmm. Mary points to some concrete blocks and says, he might be playing behind those blocks or between them. Norma responds with, oh no, he never goes there. And with that, Pat was like, I'm going to head back to my mom and let them know that he's missing. Word got out that Brian was missing, so the search began. He was found in the exact spot that Mary was pointing Pat to. Behind the large concrete blocks, he was covered with grass and purple weeds as if somebody was trying to hide his body, but like sucked at it. Mm-hmm. He had been strangled by Norma and Mary. Yeah, exactly. He'd been strangled by both of them. One hand was on his throat and another one was holding his nose closed. And nearby was a broken pair of scissors in the grass. That that matters later. Mm-hmm. Also matters for his autopsy right now, but it matters later. Little baby Brian, oh sweet baby, had puncture marks on his thighs and his genitals had been partially skinned. Clumps of his hair were also ripped away. The most bizarre thing they found in the autopsy was the sinister playfulness of his cuts and almost how they were gently done. And then they also found a giant M carved on his stomach and it looked like it was originally an N as in Norma. And then another person made another line to make it an M as in Mary. My jaw has been dropped for this whole minute. What? Yeah. The fuck? Did you, why, why this case, Ashley? Why? I don't know. Oh, God. It's what we do. So the investigation is starting now. It's, it's time to actually do their fucking jobs. Uh Uh-huh. Now there are two dead boys in the note that they chalked up to a prank and they're like, you know what? Let's, let's work on this. At least 100 detectives were assigned to this case. More than 1,200 children were questioned. Because they could tell by the strangulation marks on Brian that it was done by a child. Because the strangulation marks were so tiny. Like a child's hand. But they don't even mm-hmm. need to interview all these fucking children. You've got them. They're you've taunting got the families. Yep. Two of those were obviously Mary and Norma. As the parents around town had informed authorities about their shasty behavior. I was so excited when I looked up the word chastity because I was like, does that mean what I think it means? (laughs) (laughs) And more importantly, they had seen Brian playing with two girls shortly before his death. And they figured out that that was Norma and Mary. Their first interview on August 1st, Norma seemed kind of excited to be getting interviewed. Mary seemed to be very observant and like she just had like an agenda almost. They were both super evasive and contradictory of what they did throughout the day, but they both admitted to playing with him on the day of his death, obviously denying that they had anything to do with his death. Mm -hmm. Then the next day, they brought Mary back in, and she simply played herself. (laughs) Congratulations. You played yourself. You gotta play yourself. She told the detectives that she suddenly remembered seeing an eight-year-old boy with Brian, that the boy hit Brian for no reason. She claimed he had a pair of scissors. She said they were 
this is a quote, like silver colored and something wrong with the scissors. Like one leg was either broken or bent. She described the scissors exactly, which only the murderer and the authorities know about that scissor. And she described them exactly. (laughs) This is why they leave stuff out. (laughs) <laughs> exactly this is like why whenever like we're watching the news and people are like why aren't they giving us information it's like because they can't they want to catch the person that is why that is the only reason why because they're trying to catch them it makes exactly. sense they don't it have does. to make it make sense it makes sense <laughs> mm-hmm. norma was questioned again before brian's funeral she was now informing detective dobson that mary told her that she had killed brian and brought her to see his body Mary told Norma, I squeezed his neck and pushed up his lungs. That's how you kill them. Keep your nose dry and don't tell anybody. Oh, my God. What in the little tiny mafiosa are you? I know. <laughs> it's so good dry. that she gets caught. <laughs> I know. Like, I do they have TV back then? She needs to stop watching it. But also, it's her upbringing. Like, this is such a hard case. When she saw Brian, Norma knew he was dead already. She says, his lips were purple. Mary ran her fingers along his lips. She said she had enjoyed it. Brian Howe was buried on August 7th, five days after Mary and Norma were interviewed. Detective Dobson said, Mary Bell was standing in front of of the Howe's house when the coffin was brought out. I was, of course, watching her. And it was then when I saw her there at the door that I knew I did not dare risk another day. She stood there, laughing, laughing and rubbing her hands. I thought, my God, I've got to bring her in. She'll do another one. Oh, my God. Imagine the moment that you realize that a child has killed a child. I feel like this is just fake. Like, this isn't real. This, does, this it didn't seems, actually happen. I know. This does. It feels like a very April Fool's episode. <laughs> right? It also feels kind of like the Lululemon murder where we had our detective not wanting to like let people know that he was looking into another black girl because he didn't want another problem happening where she's not actually the bad person. And he's like, I gotta be, I gotta be smart about this. Like I can't be having this happen again. And him being a black detective too, is just like, Oh my God. And now this one's like, Oh, that's a child. I'm, I'm dealing with the child murderer. How is anybody going to believe this? A child murderer child. (laughs) Exactly. So the police were shocked to hear Norma's story after the funeral, and they could waste no time. They picked up Mary from the house that night at 12.15 a.m. Detective Dobson said she appeared to see see herself in a sort of cliche scenario of cops and robbers. Nothing surprised her, and she admitted nothing. He said, I have a reason to believe that when you were near the blocks with Norma, a man shouted at some children— who were nearby, and you both ran away from where Brian was lying in the grass. This man probably knew you. Mary said he would have to he would have to have good eyesight. It's hard to read there. What's the word? Not dialect. The way they talk, you know? <laughs> the dialogue. Yes. Dialogue, yeah. He asked why, and she's like, well, he would need good eyesight. And Detective Dobson, ready to catch her in, like, in a lie, like waited for her to see what she would say. And she goes, because he was... And he should have kind of like stopped herself. And she goes, because he was clever to see me when I wasn't there. Oh, she thought of that <laughs> on her fucking feet, dude. Oh, my God. She stood up then and said, I'm going home. This is being brainwashed. What the fuck is this kid? I know. 
But Detective Dobson wasn't about to let her go, especially at this point. And she goes, is this place bugged? What the fuck? How did, like, she literally watches cops and robbers. <laughs> what is she? Oh, my God. In the end, she refused to budge. And she said, I am making no statements. I have made lots of statements. It's always me you come for. Norma's a liar. She always tries to get me in trouble. And at 3.30 a.m., Mary was allowed to leave. Okay. Detective Dobson was starting to second guess himself. This little girl's fucking gaslighting him. And he's over she here is. like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What do I do? <laughs> like, he's like, am I really accusing a kid of murder? Exactly. Am I really? And then <laughs> she's like, are but, you really? Right. She's like, do you do you really think you have the right person? I am 11. What is wrong with you? <laughs> she's an Anna Delvey. She's like, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this. <laughs> I don't have time for you. You broke ass. You broke ass. <laughs> but Detective Dobson is like thinking about everything that's going on. He's thinking back to Brian's funeral and seeing how she reacted, thinking about all the things that people have told him about Mary. And he's like, no, 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 no. You're it. You are mm. it. He starts gathering additional testimony and he's just like, okay, it's time to, it's time to get her. She's super apprehensive. And then Dobson said, she gave me the impression that she knew the time of reckoning had come. <laughs> Jesus Mary was now admitting to being present when Brian died, but her confusion took a bizarre turn. Okay. A forensic examination revealed gray fibers that were found on Brian's body that were identical to match the dress that Mary had owned. Mm. On top of that, Maroon fibers found on Martin's body that were identically matched to a skit that a skit <laughs> <laughs> to a skirt that Norma owns. Remind me to take my anxiety meds. My alarm went off. <laughs> okay. The so maroon fibers were found on Martin's body that were owned by Norma. Both girls were charged with murder of Martin Brown and Brian Howie. Mary said, "That's fine by me." Excuse me? Right? No. And Norma burst into tears saying, I never, I'll pay you back for this. Mary then wrote a statement. Yeah, I know. We'll, we'll get into Norma. We'll get into her. Mary wrote a written statement, but she blamed Norma for everything. But the things that she would say were very obvious that she had done it. Because there were only things that she would know. <laughs> Okay. Mary admitted to breaking into the nursery with Norma and that they had written the notes that they had all found. Both girls went under psychological evaluations. And this is where we're like, ah. Norma results came back that she was intellectually delayed in a submissive, submissive character who easily displayed emotion. Makes sense. Think about it. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mary's results were bright and cunning and four psychiat wait psychiatrists there I go again <laughs> psychiatrists who examined Mary concluded that although not suffering from a mental disorder she suffered from psychopathic personality disorder which i have to say this is like the 60s almost 70s that test should be done again cuz there's no way she doesn't have mental somethings in there oh, there's yeah. no way there's no way her mother passed her around to her clients as a four-year-old yeah no so trial begins the judge waived the girl's rights to anonymity 
you have no idea how much I practice that word. <laughs> I'm proud of you. <laughs> so the you media at the time were allowed, huh? Do you know why they, they waived the rights to the anonymity or why they needed to? Yeah. So, well, they didn't want it. They didn't really care about sharing their age and photos and whatnot because of the high profile of the case. They're like, you did an adult thing. So you're going to be treated like an adult. Yeah. Cause children who commit murders are, are their, their information is private. Like it's not allowed to be put out. Into exactly. Which is crazy. And they were like, nah. So each sat alongside plain colored female police officers in the center of the courtroom behind their legal represent- representatives and within arm's reach of their families throughout the duration of the trial. But their name, everything was allowed to be heard, you know, and said. Each sat along. Oh, wait, I already said that. <laughs> the, la- the trial lasted nine days. And on December, 9th, or December 17th, Norma was acquitted of all charges. When Norma heard this, she clapped her hands in excitement and cheered. Mary was cleared of murder, but was convicted of manslaughter for both boys on the grounds of diminished, 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 that's just written wrong, diminished responsibility, which means this allows the judge to sentence Mary to a mental health treatment facility, possibly, or like a prison. Mary and her family, shockingly, Mary, started to like bawl her eyes out. She was crying. Which is kind of insane when she was literally like, fine by me, when she was told that she's being put on trial, you know? Yeah. She was first sent to be detained in a Durham Remain home, also known as a pretrial detention, as Mary is 11 fucking years old, so they had to figure out what to do with her. She was sent to another Remain home and then transferred to a young offender's institution, she was sent there in 1969 and was the only female inmate, which just sounds so safe. And I would yeah. never see this coming, that she would then later claim that she was sexually abused by multiple members, staffs, and several inmates while incarcerated there. I would never see that coming. Like, I know that she did two horrible things, multiple horrible things, probably more horrible things than we even know. But really, really, not a singular fucking brain cell was used when placing her there. No. Not even a little. Not even a little. In, no- in November 1973, at age 16, she was transferred to a secure wing of HM Prison in Cheshire. In Cheshire? Cheshire. <laughs> Cheshire. Cheshire. Weirdly, though, she resented her transfer to this facility. And while incarcerated at HM Prison... Bell unsuccessfully applied for parole. In June 1976, she was transferred to another prison. She she started doing, like, secretary work there. And then Mm -hmm. September 1977, she made headlines once again when she escaped from prison with another inmate. What? Yeah. And she was never seen again. I'm just kidding. So, Mary (laughs) Mary was arrested shortly after her escape, but she did dye her hair blonde. And was going by the name Mary Robinson. Like, okay. at least change your first name, too, if you're really trying to get away. Yeah. And just in case you're wondering about her little, like, escapee friend, she was also caught eventually. But Mary's prison privileges were revoked for 28 days. And then June 1979, like two years later, the decision was made to transfer Mary to open category prison 
to prepare her for her release. Oh, my God. This is where the conversation starts after this bit, okay? Now, it's, 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 it's her childhood, okay? Remember? She's 11 years old when this happened, okay? Mm-hmm. And prison's supposed to be, prison's supposed to reform you. It's supposed to. It doesn't always work. And I would probably say a lot of times if you're out here murdering children, more so as an adult than as a child, it's probably not going to work and you don't deserve to be out. But she's 11 in her childhood. This is like the one case I've ever found where I'm just like, okay, I, I can actually sit down and hear things out and think about it and process it. You tell me a 27-something-year-old did this? Fuck you. Straight to jail for life. Mm-hmm. An 11-year-old with this background? We can have a conversation. So beginning in November 1979, Bell worked first at a secretary as a secretary like outside of the prison. And then she started working as a waitress at a cafe in Yorkminster under surveillance. She was always had like some type of PO officer, like something, you know, like there. And eventually she was released in May 1980 at the age of 23, having served almost 11 and a half years in custody, literally the same amount of time that she was alive before going in. She was released. She was not granted anonymity, which included her name, which allowed her to start a fresh start. Wait, now. She was now granted. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, uh, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't, that doesn't go together. Now granted anonymity. And this is just wild. Mary Bell gave birth to her daughter on May 25th, 1984. No. Mm-mm. The same day she killed him. She You're gave done. birth. And... To me, it almost feels like the universe is kind of being like, hey, you're not going to forget what you did, but here's your second chance to make things better. That's, ha- that's kind of how I see it. I kind of see it in a glass half full situation where I would fully understand if the parents of these young boys were like, fuck you, she deserves to be in prison for life. And I could even be like, you know what? I, I can see why you feel that. And I'm not even going to give my opinion of like, well, I don't think she could. No. If they were to like to put out petitions and be like, no, we want her in a metal, medical institution forever. I'd be like, you know what? Go on with your bad self. That is your prerogative. And I could see why you'd want that. Mm-hmm. But she was 11. Mm. Mm-hmm. Her daughter never knew of her mom's past until 1998 when she was about 14 years old. Reporters discovered Mary Bell's location at the time, and they kind of outed her. Mm-hmm. This media revelation forced Bell or forced Mary and her 14-year-old daughter to leave their home, like completely out of town, and they were driven to a safe house by undercover co- cops. Eventually, they relocated to another part of the United Kingdom. Originally, Mary's Mary's daughter was only given anonymity until her 18th birthday, but the course extended it to a lifelong one. Then, in 2003, Mary also proved that she was reformed, and they granted her a lifelong anonymity as well. Later, this was updated to include Mary's granddaughter, who was born in 2009, who was only referred to as Z. The order also prohibits the, the divulging of any aspects of their lives which may identify them. So if somebody was to, like, try to out them, they could literally be arrested. Bell's current whereabouts are unknown, 
She does not claim she was wrongly convicted and freely admits the abuse she suffered as a child does not excuse her crimes. No. Nope. Questions, comments, concerns? <laughs> it's, you're, I mean, yes, the conversation of her upbringing. Yes, her mother fucking screwed her in that sense. You know, and that person's supposed to be to reform. Sure, and and I mean, I just quickly searched her up to see if there was anything else on where she's at now. Mm-hmm. And someone who interviewed her said she's the most gentle person that they've ever met. That's and what I'm that saying. She always wanted it's... to work with children, and it's like I can't see that past. It's hard to see past the murderous. I wouldn't accept old. that. Yeah, no, I would not allow her ever to work with children i don't care how much she'd want to you you did a con you this is your consequence you don't get to do that you, you did can be thing. an amazing mother and you could be an amazing grandmother but that's all the children you get I, oh my god i hope that her reformation in prison included therapeutical help with her mm-hmm. own traumas so that she didn't pass those traumas on to her children or her child yes. and her grandchild you know her upbringing that's the only framework she had. Yeah. So I hope that her kid isn't abused or suffering in any sort of way. But Jesus, I mean, an 11-year-old strangled a 4-year-old. I, I, what? She strangled multiple kids. That's the crazy part. She just happened to kill two of them. She, yeah, killed two of them, strangled a bunch of them. Who had knows her own how little, many? like, you know, <laughs> lackey. Like, she was going to be a cult leader. She was going to, I don't know, she was going to do something. If they didn't arrest her, where would she have ended mm-hmm. up? That's the real question. That's, thank you. That's what I, I forgot earlier that I wanted to get into. This is one of those cases where it's like, thank God they caught her as a child because she was able to be reformed. She was able to get better. If they wouldn't have caught her until who knows, 18, 19, 20, Anything above that, no. Straight to jail for life. You're done. You're done. But because they caught her as a child and with her upbringing, this is like the only time I have ever heard of a case where I was like, I feel bad for her the entire time. She needed guidance. She needed to be reformed. And she got it. She did it. She did. I mean, after a while, after abuse or whatever. I'm not saying it's easy. This it grinds to like my accept bones. Her reform malady. Reformation. Thank you. Yeah. I'm not saying it's easy to accept that. But compared to all other 72 episodes of Bloodbath and the cases we've covered, this is the only one. Compared to the hundreds of episodes I've listened to of Morbid, My Favorite Murder, Cult Leader, all of them. I've never heard a case where I was like, you know what? I'm happy she got out and I'm happy she was reformed and able to prove to herself that she can be a good human being. I do hope she was able to, if the parents are accepting of it, maybe reach out to them, send them a letter or something. Like, in no way would I ever accept her like apology or something as a parent, you know what I mean? But I feel like that should have been like part of her possible therapy. Maybe, but I don't think that opening those wounds again would even be in the slightest best interest of the family. Like they're never going to feel yeah. 100% again, even if she were to reach out and be reformed. Like they are broken. 
Oh, yeah. I don't think that I mean, bridge ever needs to be rebuilt. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, no, there will never be a bridge rebuilt, but it's kind of like the people who forgive the people who murder their children, their, like, adult children, mm-hmm. where, like, they go to their trial, and then they get to say, like, their piece, and they say at the end that they forgive them because mm-hmm. holding on to that anger is only going to make them a worse person. Right. Which I can't fathom, but... <laughs> No, I don't think anyone could fathom that unless they've experienced it. Yeah. I think if the families reached out or said something publicly, First. like, yes, I would accept you. But her reaching out is just, like, completely inappropriate. I yeah, think. I can. And yeah, you've changed my mind on that. <laughs> I feel. So you've gotten some time to think about this case. I've never heard of this case. I'm trying to, like, get my thoughts in Process order. Process it. <laughs> yeah, because I'm thinking me at 11 years old and even younger like if i were abused in such a way you know trying to put myself in her shoes devil's advocate here just put yourself into my shoes everything that i told you about everything the bad that happened to me was before 11 years old yeah and think about how i was when i first met you how hard i was to deal with how a little bitch i was like i can't imagine you trying to strangle me though or you taking me along on your little adventures to strangle your little friends yeah like, I would have been no. normal in this situation. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I still had a good mother that showed me love, though. And I'm not trying to, like, be like, oh, let's think about my life to do this. I'm just saying, like, her life was so hard. It was more than anything I've ever been through in my life. I was molested. Oh, my God. Compared to, Nor- compared to Mary, oh, my God, you're molested. Get over it. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> but with this, she was passed around as a four-year-old. Her mother tried to kill her multiple times. She had love every once in a while from her aunt and uncle, but then her mom would just take her back. It was never long enough. And then, and then the one friend she finds, she watches get hit by a bus and killed. She's fucked until she can get reformed. And I don't think if like, if her uncle and aunt would have gotten her, I don't Mm -hmm. think they could have done it. I think she needed like military level scheduled prison time to figure this shit out this is the reason they made the show scared straight like you you're the reason i love that show (laughs) (laughs) like evil children i don't even think that would have worked because that was only like a a weekend or something you know she needed the exact time that she had which was the exact time that she was alive up until she did this crime 11 years of being abused going through this torture going through this psychological terror and then becoming a really bad child and then the next 11 years was regrowth i mean it was it's the ultimate cry for help right you know she's like i'm not okay fortunately it cost people their lives yeah but you know sure she got help i guess i don't know it's so hard to walk that line she's she needs help we can we can check back into your thoughts on this next week (laughs) so you can process it a little bit I guess. I don't I don't want to think about this anymore. This is a terrible, terrible case. I hated it. You're the worst. Thanks. Actually, Mary Bell's the worst. <laughs> you take yeah, a close thanks. second to her. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Are you saying I'm worse than a killer? How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> For bringing this up. Hell yeah. No, I mean, that was fucking... What? The whole case. Hated it. Mindbockers. A doozy. Yeah. It's, a, it's a doozy for sure. Not a fan. Um, 
well we'll put a little like question in this so on spotify you can actually like answer questions so we'll just ask something about like how you guys feel about this case how do you feel about the where'd you say reformality the reformation (laughs) her transformation her her transformation her her getting out (laughs) her switching her life around exactly how how do you guys feel process it and take it in think about it you got it and and think about this fun fact i have for you yes (laughs) to to lighten the mood a little um yeah and we'll get into good goods to super lighten it (laughs) amelia Earhart, you know my personal hero yeah in 1933 ended up ditching a fancy dinner in washington dc with none other than eleanor roosevelt and they hopped into just like a curtis condor and they went to baltimore and back like instead of being like she was wearing a silk gown like she was at a dinner and was like you want to just hop in a plane and fly around real quick that's amazing and then they did (laughs) it was like a little joyride so there you go fun fact about amelia Earhart. i love that yeah what's your good good the, there's i'm talking with a university that's my good good we're seeing what with if uh oh yeah i can continue my education so that's my good good right now hopefully i get in that's a Keep real good good yeah <laughs> yeah i have like a really 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 great good good but i can't say it because my sister-in-law listens to this so i have to wait till next week oh but i know what it other is other good good you know what it is <laughs> my other good good most of the house is packed it's not necessary. It's like a bittersweet good good. Cause like I'm sad to leave Oregon, but also I'm really excited for this new chapter. Mm-hmm. I got a job at the hospital. Have I said that yet? I don't think so. That's my good good. It's a big nice. girl job. Yeah, you Maybe got a lot I'll of finally good goods. get my RN. I've only been wanting to do that for like three years. I could have had it by now. That's so rude. You know what? Yeah. If you're thinking about doing something and you're like, I'm too old. It'll take too much time. Bitch, the time's going to pass anyway. Just do it. Just and do it. And I'm talking it. to myself now. Uh-huh. <laughs> I literally, like, I'm in part of so many pilot groups and there's people who join and they're like, hey, I'm 55. Should I even, like, pursue it? Oh, and people respond to like, my dad's 75 and he he's so glad he got his private pilot license. Like, oh, just do it. <laughs> my heart. Right? Yes. Just do it. Just do it. Do it. Just do it. <laughs> You only get to live this one life, so just fucking do it. Do whatever you're going to do. Just don't murder four-year-olds, please. Just do it. Or anyone, please. Or anyone. But, I mean, four-year-olds are special. (laughs) They're so adorable. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's such a good age. Anyway, be sure to keep up with us on all of our social medias at Bloodbath Podcast. Email us with any abnormal paranormal crazy stories that might have happened to you we'd love to do a bath bomb zoom i have one story and we need to add on to it you know and be sure to rate and review subscribe wherever you get podcasts but wait there's more bye 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 b